0: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, in America, we got more stuff per person, per family, than people on anywhere else on planet Earth. And you know the worst part? Well, I learned recently, my kids don't really want my stuff. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about that some. And I want to talk about taking advantage of a job market that is historically beneficial and surprising right now. How do you seize the opportunities best? So we moved recently. I haven't talked a lot about the move because, like many people who've moved, the move was traumatic. Dealing with all the stuff that we had accumulated in 25 plus years of marriage. We had moved once in those 25 years, but the first time we just moved all our stuff, didn't really weed out. But this time we were moving to a place that is a fourth the size, less than a fourth the size of where we moved from. That's true downsizing. So that meant all our stuff uh, had to go through a deep, serious purge, and it took us months going through things, and things that seemed so essential and so important, later not so much. And so we had an entire protocol about what we did, and the first step was offering things to our kids. And as any parent will find out, a lot of the stuff you have that you've accumulated, your kids don't want it. And hopefully they won't be polite and just take it. They'll tell you the truth. They don't want it. And then you think of things that may have been passed down to you from a parent or grandparent that were things that were considered to be precious heirlooms in a different era Do you know a lot of places won't even accept silver, I mean silverware, crystal, China, all the fine, what do you call that? Is that fine dinnerware? What do they call that category? Whatever it is. Nobody wants it. Nobody uses it anymore. And I, in the midst of this, I talked to somebody who does those estate sales, and she said, that it's a very awkward conversation you have to have with somebody when they're doing an estate sale to say that you won't try to sell their silverware china or crystal because there is less than no market for it. And our kids were clear. They didn't want this stuff. And so as you downsize, don't try to do it all at once. We have a bunch of stuff that's for sale at um, consignment shops now for all different kinds of stuff. And we have a Honda Odyssey minivan that we took the seats out and day after day after day, stuff would go, it was labeled down our hall.
1: You never saw that, did you, Kristen? No, but I know every time I talked to you, you were driving the van and driving stuff somewhere. (laughs) So we had this system and with the post-it
0: notes, it's going to this consignment shop or that one or to um, a charity or going uh, to, we have a storage unit for the first time in my life that I can't wait till we don't have to pay storage unit rent anymore as we deal with disposing of that stuff. And then stuff that would go to the kids. And so you'd go down this long hall in our house Post-it note, post-it note, post-it note, all with this stuff. And so tell your kids when it comes time for you to downsize, you know, tell me the truth. Do you want this? Do you not want it? If you don't want it, tell me that. And then go through the selection process of getting rid of things. The best thing is not to do what we did And wait nearly 26 years to go through everything, to get rid of it steadily over time. And then the even better answer is don't accumulate so much stuff. That will never happen in my life again. Promise.
1: (sighs) All right, Clark, Zach in Iowa says, my wife and I recently had our first child.
0: Congratulations.
1: A family member gave us about $1,000 to put into an account for him. We really don't want to put the money into an educational specific plan because he might not choose to go to college or paying for college might be vastly different in 18 years. What kind of investment account slash investment company would be the best for my son so that he could access this when he's an adult? Zach, um,
0: when you are awake... From your sleep deprivation, (laughs) I want you to open an account, a custodial account for your first child at Fidelity Investments. Take that $1,000 and split it into the Fidelity Zero funds. Put half the money in the Fidelity Zero total market index fund. This is a fund where Fidelity will actually sell an investment to your newborn or they'll sell it to someone at any age, with zero commissions and Fidelity absorbs all the expenses on that account. Then the second I would do is the Fidelity Zero International Index Fund because economies outside the United States are generally growing faster than we are as we're such a developed economy. So having a mix 50% U.S., 50% international over the next 20 or so years, has very favorable tax treatment and would have, uh, if, if taxes stay anything like they are now, very favorable treatment when your newborn would eventually use this money for whatever purpose. So again, the Fidelity Zero Total Market Index Fund, $500 in it. The Fidelity Zero International Index Fund, $500 in it. And as relatives give money to your young one over the years, put more money in each of these in equal sums.
1: Hey, in Justin, Ohio says, I'm 30 years old with $22,000 left in private student loans at 3.9%. I have $10,000 in savings for an emergency, and I have $17,000 saved for retirement. Should I stop retirement savings to pay off my student loans faster?
0: Definitely not. Um... I want you to keep paying on those student loans as agreed. Three point nine percent, if that is a fixed rate, is a very favorable rate on your private student loans. And the amount you should be able to earn percent you should be able to earn in retirement accounts over the years should easily exceed that. So I would pay your uh, your twenty your thirty years old twenty two thousand dollars left. If you can get that paid off in the next 10 years, just amortize what you'd have to pay per month on that 22000 over the next 10 years or less, get it paid off, you're going to still have your emergency savings, but over, let's say, a 10-year period, you have built up quite a bit more save for retirement.
1: And Mary Ellen in Massachusetts wrote in saying, we lost our dog almost a year ago, and I think we're ready to get another. What do you think of pet insurance? If you think we should get it, what company do you recommend?
0: Mary Ellen, I'm really sorry about your loss of your dog last year. Krista and I were talking just recently how hard it is Mm -hmm. for many people who lose a pet that's precious to them, how long it takes to get over it, and a lot of people who don't have pets don't respect that someone could be the, uh, make that kind of connection and grieve, and it is a grieving process like the loss of any other, and so if you're ready to do it now, pet insurance is a difficult area because pet insurance has a lot of conditions and restrictions that the colorful brochure with the really cute pets on the brochures mislead you. And you think you're going to have wide protections, but there are a lot of exclusions based on breed, based on age, and the rest. What I recommend as step one is the veterinarian that you use, you ask him or her which pet insurance policy they've found has worked the best for their customers. Now, let me tell you something. Veterinarians are very interested in making sure that they recommend good pet insurance to you. The reason is, it's a true market reason. A lot of times, if somebody can't afford to do a treatment or care for their pet, then that's not only a loss for that pet, it's also a loss in revenue for the veterinarian. So they are aligned with you on the interest of making sure you're in what they've found has been the best pet insurance. I have a brief write-up on questions you should ask and things you should do in buying pet insurance at Clark.com. But I also like the idea of you building up a savings account over the years to make sure you have money for when your pet does need care And then you don't have to worry about the exclusions an insurance company might throw at you at a time that you really need the money for your dog. And I got a question for you. How do you seize the opportunities available to you in today's job market? That's coming up next. Last month in a podcast, I did my commencement speech for schools, people graduating, Because of the pandemic, I've not done a college or high school graduation commencement speech last year, and I'm not doing one this year either. And so it felt weird to not do a commencement speech. So I did one on the podcast. And one of the things I talked about is how we now need to be lifelong earners. The more we learn, the more we'll earn. And This job market we're in right now is weirdly distorted. There are employers looking for millions upon millions of workers, jobs going unfilled, many that pay really good salaries. The problem, the employers cannot match people up with the skills they need to have. They may be able to find applicants, but they don't have the skills. We're in a time that it's like there's a ladder that starts on the second floor, and you're on the ground floor, and you can't reach the first rung. Well, you attach a ladder to it, and that ladder is training, and skills-based training is the buzzword now in corporate America as an alternative to a credential, a degree. That there are so many jobs that are what are in the category that economists call middle skill jobs. That breathing is not enough. You need a set of skills. But then that presents a problem. There are ads everywhere in my town. There are billboards all over the place with all these people smiling on the billboards because they went to so-and-so school. And paid them a ton of money or took out a ton of student loans to get trained to be a whatever, and everything's great now. And that's why they're smiling year to year. But that business model is broken. One thing I'm really interested in are workforce development programs, where you have a number of models where either an employer contributes or they work out a program with a state-supported community college or technical college where you get the training for the jobs that they're begging to fill workers. I talked years ago about how South Carolina was the furthest along of any state in the country at marrying the job openings that required skills training with their community and technical college system, with workers who wanted good jobs, and they did that match game. And you know what? I just read a story recently that the Greenville, South Carolina area is perhaps the most dynamic economy in the United States. And they've done it by aligning the interests of employers and workers with the education system to create this. So you may have to figure out your own path living somewhere else in the country. But one thing that has been growing in popularity are programs where you get the training for free and... Instead, you pay a commission to the training program if you actually get a job in the skill area where you got the training. Usually somewhere 5 to 10% of your pay for a while goes to the training program so that their interests are aligned with yours. Right now, with the federal student loan mills, which have been an enormous drag on taxpayer funds and ruin the finances of so many students who are kind into signing up for an expensive learning program that turns out not to lead you to a job, and then you're stuck with these massive student loans, and that is a hideous, broken thing. And so, when you're looking for opportunity, start first when you see those listings for jobs and they tell you, hey, we'd love to hire you, but you don't have the skills, say, where do you recommend people go get those skills? Where do you hire people from? Is there a program that you cooperate with at a technical college near you? Because this mismatch with workers looking for good work that's going to pay a decent wage and be a job you want to do, and the employers whining they can't find workers, we've got to get this married. Germany has been such a dynamic economy for so long because they've done this for 70 years where they've married training with the jobs so that a worker gets education in something they can actually earn a living from and the employer gets a good worker. It's a win-win. That's what we've been missing with employment in the United States. And we're going to get there, but in the meantime, you've got to chart your own path and get out there and look for The buzzword right now, workforce development programs, or what's available at a technical college, or do that thing of asking the employer, where do your best people come from, and go there.
1: All right, Clark. Jennifer in Florida says, as a recently single female, I hope to continue to walk as the weather turns hot, but I'm unable to put together an electric treadmill myself. Locally, only big box stores carry select models, often with poor reviews, and even then, they don't have models set up to test or get a feel for. Online sales are problematic, as you often point out, finding true reviews and if this huge investment item will be a good fit for me. I also don't know how I'd return it if the product didn't fit my needs. I figured out a way to earn my doctorate without debt due to your advice over the years, and I salute you that I'm in a position to make a purchase this large. Well, thank you for
0: that. And first of all, you don't have to spend a huge amount of money and find a reliable treadmill. Now, if you've not bought a really high-end treadmill, don't pass out when I tell you what's considered to be a bargain price for a reliable treadmill, but it's about $1,000. Consumer Reports has up-to-the-date information on treadmills And which ones rate the best, which ones they recommend you buy, which ones are best buys, all that. And they have it in three different price categories for brand new treadmills. So if you don't have a Consumer Reports subscription, you can buy one-time access to their treadmill report. Or you can go to the library or in many library systems, you can be a member and access Consumer Reports online for free through your library membership and see what they say are the models that, based on their extensive testing, are the best ones. I don't like online reviews of treadmills done by fellow consumers, because those results are so often manipulated. Um, I have a favorite way to get a treadmill, though. This is the Clark bargain method. Gyms, when they dispose of equipment and get their new generation typically sell off their gym equipment to reconditioning services that then sell to the public. And then you get a gym-quality treadmill that should last you many, many years and will be an extremely high-quality treadmill. And you get a big discount versus what would it cost normally. You may find those on Craigslist, um, would be the most likely place, eBay, uh, Facebook, groups trying to think where else krista yeah and
1: i've also noticed i know you don't love the facebook groups but i buy stuff on there a lot and next door as well next door i Um, forgot next door but people bought a lot of them in the beginning of the pandemic and i'm noticing more exercise equipment for sale on there now also from people like that's almost brand new so that's another option you probably want to take someone with you to go to somebody's house to try it out but there's a
0: lot of things that people did in the pandemic that they're now uh deciding that's not for them. In fact, I was reading recently, we're talking about pets, that uh, pandemic puppies are suddenly being put up in large numbers for adoption that people who felt um, lonely or whatever got a pet, and now they're back out again. They don't want the pet. The exercise equipment, people wanted to go back to the gym. And so the home exercise equipment they bought is now being sold nearly new, at good use prices so the whole thing has turned topsy-turvy and there are going to be a lot of categories like that where people did things really different with their wallet in their lives because of the pandemic creating opportunity for people as the second owner
1: okay and this is from joe in florida when i'm booking on the avis car rental website i'm encouraged to sign on with my amazon account credentials for extra saving and gift cards does clark recommend this
0: That's just fine to do so. You're going to find more and more that people are going to try to get you to sign in with Amazon or through Apple or through Google or whatever. Facebook. Facebook. So you may get some kind of discount or deal doing it that way. And if it is a deal, I think it's great to go for it. Thanks for joining us and please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice and info
1: you can trust.